you are not guilty. I'm not guilty. <laughs> does, that, does that include the time I stole a comic book when I was five years old? Live here from Windup High School is episode one of our new podcast, American Monsters. I, Bobby Hubert, am here with Brian Cotteso and Matt Hurley, and we'll be making a monthly podcast discussing different topics. Hi, I'm Brian Cotteso. And I'm Matt Hurley. And in this episode, we will be discussing Ted Bundy and his life, motives, background, and the secrets of events surrounding his trial. And lastly, we will be discussing the film that recently came out on Netflix called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. For anyone who does not know who Ted Bundy was, he was a serial killer, obviously killed but also kidnapped and raped young women and girls between the late 60s and 70s. After a long case, he was executed in 1989. Ted Bundy was raised in a somewhat normal family. He lacked any significant tragedy that would damage his sanity early on. He was, however, born out of wedlock and his grandparents pretended that he was their adopted son while raising him to believe that his sister was actually his sister, where in fact she was his mother. Bundy, however, appeared to have many flaws growing up. For example, he would be obsessed with knives. However, his fascination with knives came to be nothing too serious. As a student, he excelled in the classroom, but he lacked the ability to socialize with his peers. Other stories suggest that he would peek through windows as well as express no remorse for stealing. In his college years, Bundy attended the University of Washington where he earned his degree in psychology. There, he fell in love with a woman from California. When they broke up, he was devastated. This might have been the most pivotal event of his life that sprung into action a series of evil crimes. If that isn't scary enough, his victims often resembled the likeness of his college girlfriend, young girls with dark, long hair. In 1974, police were investigating the disappearances of women around the Seattle and Oregon area. Witnesses emerged to reveal that many of these women were last seen with a handsome, dark-haired man by the name of Ted. Ted Bundy attended law school in Utah, where women began to go missing as well. Nearly a year later, Bundy was arrested for possession of a crowbar, a face mask, rope, and handcuffs. Authorities soon linked the murders to Bundy. Bundy was initially charged for the attempted kidnapping of Carol Duronk. He was sentenced to a 1-15 to 15 year jail sentence. During his first trial, Bundy represented himself. This was planned, as he knew he would be able to have access to the courtroom or library. In 1977, Bundy escaped the courthouse through the window. He managed to evade authorities for eight days before being caught. He escaped yet again through the ceiling of his jail cell by dropping 30 pounds to fit. The guards didn't realize he was missing until 15 hours after he had escaped. Bundy's last ring of crimes came in January 14, 1978. Bundy broke into Shy Omega sorority house at Florida State University. There, he attacked four young girls, ending up killing two. In February of the same exact year, Bundy kidnapped and murdered 12-year-old Kimberly Leach. That same month was when he was finally captured. During his trial, Bundy's good looks and charm attracted attention. He attained celebrity status among the media, bringing national attention to the trial. During the trial, the most damning evidence came from bite marks on the victim 
of the shy Omega attack, the teeth marks were a perfect match. During his trial, he would wave to the camera and give people winks, and all the girls would fall in love with him, even though they didn't know that he was actually a killer. Another progression in the trial was thanks to the delayed cooperation of his longtime girlfriend, Elizabeth Klopfer. She had not believed he was the killer, but as more evidence gathered, she helped authorities. After she broke ties with him, Bundy dated and married Carol Ann Boone before his trial, and the two had a child. On January 24, 1989, Bunny was executed at 7 a.m. by means of electric chair at Florida State Prison. Bundy was linked to 36 murders, though it's believed that there could be hundreds more. During this trial, I think one of the most surprising and characterizing moments was when they revealed the murder of the 12-year-old girl, Kimberly Leach. It really showed an inhumane act by such an evil man. Well, I feel like all of his acts were pretty inhumane with a serial killer like that. Any any killing is inhumane. Um, yeah, and I feel like his characteristics like were a really big part in his killings. Um, the reason that this case blow, blew up so much was because of the way that he would lure his victims. And I feel like this is really important to really understand the obscurity of his crimes. Do you think his good looks gave him any advantage in the case? Um, I feel like I feel like that was a really big part in him luring his victims was his looks because without his looks, his charmingness also gives gives a tough hit. I believe that his way with words and how he acted on live TV because this was the first broadcasted trial in like a court, um, how he acted and everything. People joined him in didn't take in consideration like what he was doing and all the like all the bad things that he was actually doing everyone would love them for it and they didn't think like oh he was killing all these women and they were just thinking oh look how good he looks and when interviewed with people like the women who were attending these court the court they were just like oh I don't even I don't even think about what he did because he's just so good looking well do you think that the advantage was in the media or more of the jury? Do you think the jury gave him an advantage because of his looks? Or do you think the facts reveal this true character? I believe that the law officials and lawyers and everybody believe, like, they knew what Ted Bundy had done, and they wanted to shine that light on the actual facts, but since the media blew it up and kind of made it like a reality show where Ted Bundy was kind of making a character of himself and people were falling in love with him, that... It, did, it didn't give him an advantage, but the people liked him, and it might have swayed ideas for like lawyers and ideas and whatnot. Do you guys think that this case is extremely blown up because it was one of the first televised cases, or is it because the case genuinely has really good evidence and, and abstract information? I think the introduction of the court case in the media uh, gave the public more of a sense of entertainment rather than actual uh, law system, and that it really um, overblew like the whole court case and what was a serious trial of a seriously evil person. Now we'd like to tr transition to the new movie that came out starring Zac Efron, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, and you can see this on Netflix. You know, this movie opened my eyes and 
it's a real difference seeing it on a screen and it being played out in a, such a real manner because it was such a well-done movie. But um, with all the information that I learned from reading all these different things about Ted Bundy, it just shows how much people really didn't think he was this this murderer, serial killer, and all the bad things he did. It, like, for some reason, in the movie, I was like, I don't want this guy to lose the trial. Like, that's how, I guess that's how everyone felt at the time. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Adding on to that, I feel like the movie did a really good job in how students can study and study and research on a certain topic, like the Ted Bundy topic, and it's all just like, it's it's boring. Researching is boring, and when when put into a movie, especially with an actor like Zac Afron, who's very popular, I think it does a good job in intriguing the audience. And an intrigued audience is really an audience you want to to truly learn. And you know, kudos to Zac Efron because he really did play a serial killer, and he he kind of made it feel like your friends that you know that you know and love, you live with every day, they could be this serial killer, I mean, you never know, and hopefully, you know, none of my friends should be serial killers, but it's just, he was such a family man, and he was outgoing and everything, and behind the scenes, that's not who he was. Uh, actually, I think more credit should be deserved to the writers and directors. Yeah, I agree. Especially because the perspective that was given upon the story. They could have easily gave a summary of what happened, and all the facts given, but instead they masqueded the facts with the charm of Zac Afron, and they really gave a perspective that this person could be innocent, and it was entertaining, especially since before watching the movie, I think it was a well-known fact that he did commit the murders, yet watching the movie, you find yourself second-guessing it. I agree with you guys on wanting to give credits to the writers because they did a really good job but I just want to talk about how Zac Afron how he goes from roles like like in High School Musical or roles from um, 17 again to a very very important role like a serial killer and I feel like he does a good job in intriguing the audience wanting us to like be on his side like Matt said like in the beginning of the movie you, you, you're attracted to Zac Afron as a person you, you want him to, you want him to succeed and Honestly, I I felt like that in the beginning too. Like I knew that Ted Bundy created these crimes, and I knew that he was in the wrong. But in the beginning, Zach Af- Zach Afron did a really good job in, in intriguing me. The producers of this movie made the people going against Ted Bundy make they made them look like the bad guys in this trial, but they were actually just trying to put a serial killer away, and all the people around the hype like hype of Ted Bundy and how he's this fun loving character. Uh, they were, they made him look like this good guy, and he wasn't. And they were made the good guys look like the bad guys. And I just don't. It's it's crazy how a movie can do that and put that into perspective because we weren't alive, us three weren't alive around the time of the trial. And watching this movie, it made me realize like what people who were watching this trial on TV actually felt and their ideas toward this trial. And you know. Now I understand why they producers the producers made this movie so good because they were probably alive and we weren't and we just see this as like wow he really was this big serial killer but we saw him as a nice guy. I think the greatest scene from the producer's perspective and from the audience perspective was the last scene especially because the whole movie is really a build up of 
us waiting to see the verdict, us wanting to believe the truth, but then being perceived something else. And really, the greatest part of it is just they wrap up a whole story in 30 seconds with just the action of Ted writing a single word. Yeah, and coming into uh, watching this movie, I knew like that he did everything that they were saying in even though he denied it throughout the entire movie, I started to question, I know we already said this, but I started to question whether he did do it or not because you see Zac Efron up there and you're like, think, you don't really think of Ted Bundy, but he becomes the character so well. And you're like, he couldn't have done it. He's, he's this guy, he's that guy, but he did. Uh, I do want to clarify that this was fantasized from the movie and the actual um, admission of guilt never actually happened between Ted and Klopfer. Instead, she said, Bundy never directly admitted to his guilt to her. He told her that there is something the matter with me. I just couldn't contain it. I fought it for a long, long time. It got too strong. When she asked him to clarify, he responded, don't make me say it. He never did, and the phone call ended. So there were a few things that, this isn't the movie anymore, we're moving away from that, but, um, he, his tactics of killing people, he would pretend to be injured, like a broken arm or, or whatever, and he'd ask the woman to carry his books or whatever, his belongings to his car. And when they got to the car, he would hit them over the head with a, a crowbar, and then he'd take their bodies and put them in the back of his uh, Volkswagen where he hauled it out so people driving by couldn't see the body. And so after that, he would do, he would bring them home and then he would actually sleep with corpses and he would display decapitated heads on a shelf and no one in their right mind would ever do that but clearly there was something in his brain that made him want to do this and also just a cool fact uh his volkswagen is on display at the alcatraz east crime museum in tennessee so you can see the machine that he carried around woman and you know the rest uh, a quote from Ted Bundy is, I'm the most cold-hearted son of a bitch you'll ever meet. So as you can see in the movie, he doesn't show any emotion throughout the entire trial. Maybe a, a tear when the judge was explaining that he was uh, he had so much potential and that it was all ruined because of what he did. And, you know, people who are cold-hearted don't have feelings and they don't care about anyone but themselves. And that's what... To wrap up, I'm going to discuss about the effects that Ted Bundy had on society. So being the first televised court case, it was really important to everyone, the, in, the outcome that would come from this trial. And I feel like the outcome of the trial wasn't as important as much as the fame and the attention that it got. This fame and attention led to others who craved fame and attention to do the same acts as Ted Bundy in order to find the attention that Ted Bundy got. Although this was sometimes successful in other cases of people murdering and, and raping, there were many people who were extremely unsuccessful in attempting to do what Ted Bundy did. However, they were able to kill people. They were not able to get the fame that came with Ted Bundy. So that'll wrap up this episode of American Monsters. This was Brian Caseso, Bobby Hubert, and Matt Hurley, until next time, we'll discuss another American monster. You're a bright young man.
You made a good lawyer. I'd love to have you practice in front of me, but you want another way, partner. <laughs>